Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton, Greg White with you right here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Gregory, how are we doing today? I'm doing pretty well, Scott. How are you? Doing wonderful. Had a wonderful start to the day with the team. Yeah. Really enjoyed a catch-up meeting this morning. But these quarterly live streams that we're diving into today, we've gotten a ton of feedback around these, right? Yeah. Do you think Bobby misses us as much as we miss him between quarter these quarterly meetings? I don't know, but we're- I have been dying for this one, right? <laughs> I mean, seriously, what we've seen in the last quarter made me harken back to a year and a half or so ago when we started these things and just who could have predicted what we're about to talk about. It is compelling. Right. Um, well, we know Bobby couldn't predict it. That's, that is off limits. Because that's that's right. That that's right. He, he, can, he cannot make forward-looking statements because he is a member of U.S. Bank. That is right. But the insights and what the yeah. data is telling us today, ton of value there for business leaders, supply chain leaders, you name it. And so on this episode, Greg, as, as you're alluding to, we're going to be sharing key insights from one of the leading transportation industry resources, the U.S. Bank Freight Payment Index for q right. 2 2021 we blink greg and we're we're now in q3 so we're looking back at the last three months that make up q2 somehow it feels like this year went faster than last year no kidding and, and almost like last year didn't exist i keep saying this happened last year when it happened the year before last kind of things right well i'm game if we want to blot 2020 out from yes. our collective memory call it the year that never was Scott that's right but hey, yeah. today, so we're going to dive into the U.S. Bank Freight Payment Index Q2 2021. We're going to have two business leaders. We've mentioned one already. Back by popular demand, Bobby Holland is joining us from U.S. Bank. We also have John Jansen with, with Sanmar, so stay tuned. They've got a ton of experience in the transportation markets, and I love the mix of, of uh, the data-driven, but also the practical, been there, done that mix of perspective that we have right here. But Greg, talk to just about the wherewithal behind what U.S. Bank does and where all this information comes from? Well, I mean, U.S. Bank processes a ton, more than a ton, billions of dollars in uh, freight transactions, right? $31.4 billion worth of transactions in 2020. And I can only imagine what that number is going to be this year with freight rates being what they are and even not just spend, but also shipments being up. Uh, significantly this year as well. So, you know, they've got their finger on the pulse of what's going on in freight. You know, ground transportation is what we're specifically talking about here because they fund and process a ton of these transactions. That's right. So Bobby's organization, well, we'll let him tell us, but that's what Bobby's organization does is they compile all this data and tell us what it means and what it's meant. And then, of course, our guests from industry always help us translate it from the data into what's happening on the ground for companies that are dealing with freight every single day. A perfect mix to increase your supply chain IQ. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> so Greg, let's say hello to a few folks and then we're going to 
uh, bring, we're going to swoosh Bobby and John into the stream and we're going to get started. I want to say a big thanks to Amanda and Jada and Allie and Clay behind the scenes helping to make the production happen. So hello to each of y'all. Uh, Shrinivas tuned in once again from India. Shrinivas, how are you doing? Give us an update. Uh, drop, drop the team in line. Let's know how you and your family are doing. Great to have you back here with us today. Adil from Dubai. Gosh, Dubai, Greg, the innovative things taking place in Dubai is just it's, it's incredible socks off it really is and you know it's kind of the hub of that that area of the world so much incredible you know incredible stuff happening a beautiful place and fortunately one of the few places on the planet that's hotter than Atlanta right now <laughs> so we we actually can have some empathy for them that's right. Adil, let us know how hot is it in Dubai right now? But but more, most importantly, great to have you here tuned in via LinkedIn. Thanks yeah. so much. Mohammed is also with us uh, via LinkedIn from India. Tell us what part of the country there in India you're tuned in from, Mohammed. Let's see here. Syed is back with us from Iran. Great to have you here via LinkedIn. Look forward to your perspective today. Hey, we won't tell anybody you're listening. <laughs> Sushil is back with us. I think he had joined us for a couple of live streams in the last few weeks. Yeah. Uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you here. And Sushil, tell us what part of the world you're tuned in from as well. Rashid is with us from Nigeria. Great to have you uh, yeah. on LinkedIn. I a mentioned Clay. In Nigeria. What's that, Greg? I, I said a lot happening in the logistics world, in supply chain in Nigeria, right? Agreed. Agreed. You know, I, I was able to catch up this morning with our dear friend, Jenny Froome. Uh, who leads uh, SAPEX. And of course, she's always a bundle of informed positivity, but there's mm -hmm. a, lot, a lot happening across the continent there. Uh, Brandy is back with us. Brandy, great to see you. You were part of the UJ live stream yesterday. Great to see you back here today. And Greg, Brandy has a new consulting gig. So oh. she, she's going to be celebrating, I think, this weekend. Not too hard. You got <laughs> to get right. to work. You got to get on that plane on Monday. That's right. I'm sure. Get those results. Adil right. uh, says it's too hot to handle in Dubai. It's above 40 degrees Celsius. Yeah, trying to figure that out. <laughs> and then finally, and, and welcome to everybody. I know we couldn't hit everybody, but uh, Salahuddin is tuned in from Bangladesh uh, via LinkedIn. Great to have you here today. Look forward to your POV. Okay, so Greg, are we ready to bring our guests into the stream? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's 104, right. by the way, in Dubai, in case you were wondering. Okay. So I'm sorry, I wasn't ready right at that moment. So I just kind of hesitated a little bit to let you know that now we are officially ready. I saw the gears doing that hard mm. math, that conversion math, uh, Greg. Uh, let me check one other thing here. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see we got some math behind the scenes too. So thanks for that dog, uh, Clay Phillips. All right. So with no further. Did we come out with the same number? Yes. yes. Okay. So it's. He said over 40, so it's over 104 there. Yes. But it's a dry heat. It is a dry heat. But, you know, I like how Clay's got you back and is double-checking your math. Yeah. Right, Greg. Yeah, That's well, important. I think everybody here knows you shouldn't trust That's my right. math. Hey, you know, before we bring on our guest, I think this is Korai Kose. Y'all let me know if it's not. But he's, you know, so Korai's with Gartner. Uh, he's been on the show before. Uh, really sharp individual. But... He is getting the word out on what they're seeing there in Germany, and it's helping power relief efforts, which is really important for the flood victims, which I think I think this is the worst they've ever seen it. Uh, so, Karai, thank you for what you do. Mm -hmm. uh, let's drop the link in the comments, and let's, as, as a 
former community and, and global society. Let's help give that some uh, some uplift there. So, Karai, hope we, we can move the needle there. Yeah. All right. So with no further ado, Greg, I want to introduce our two featured guests here today. Of course, back by popular demand, we have Bobby Holland, Director of Freight Data Solutions with U.S. Bank. And he's joined today by John Jansen, Senior Director, Global Logistics with Sanmar. Hey, hey, good afternoon, Bobby. How you doing? Doing well. Good morning, gentlemen. Great good to have you morning. back. Good day. <laughs> That's right. It's been a full day already. And yeah, John, this afternoon. great to have you as, as well. Good morning, guys. And not to compete with Dubai, but the weather in Boise, Idaho has been like 100 plus for 13 days in a row. So, Which is? It's, it's a dry heat, though. Right. So is hell, and nobody wants to live there. So, But th that's unprecedented, I think, the amount of heat that you've had for the amount of time that you've had there. It's crazy. Right? It's tough yep. in the Northwest. Agreed. Agreed. And, and a quick shout out, Samuel and Daria. Great to see you all both here via LinkedIn. <clears throat> Okay. Do you think Bobby can answer my question now? Uh, well, let's Bobby, see. do you miss us as much as we miss you between these quarterly meetings? Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. <laughs> Makes me feel good to hear you say that. Thank hey, you. <laughs> two thumbs up, too, from Bobby Holland. That, that's, uh, that's worth the price of admission here today. But, uh, Bobby, it's great to have you back. We've really enjoyed. Yeah. I think this is our uh, sixth or seventh live stream together chock full of data-driven insights that the global business community can learn a lot from, especially here across the country with the uh, national freight market. But let's, um, for the handful of folks that may have forgotten what they know about Bobby Holland, give us, tell us a little about yourself. Well, I come from a technology background, uh, mainly in software engineering and uh, architecture. And I've been with the bank for about five years as a product manager, a technical product manager. Uh, again, uh, freight data solutions. Uh, we provide uh, data-related products from our freight audit and payment transaction processing, as Greg White pointed out earlier on in the broadcast. $31.4 billion in 2020. Whole, and a ton. You know, transaction numbers are big, but all the data behind that is even more massive. So I look forward. I appreciate how you all share that to better inform all of us. Um, and of course, you're joined by John Jansen, uh, our friend, new friend from Sanmar. Uh, John, I, I've got a particular question I'm gonna ask you about, but before we get there, tell us about yourself. Sure. Well, again, I work for Sanmar and a lot of folks have not heard of Sanmar. Uh, we're the nation's largest wholesale distributor of apparel that is sold into the decorated marketplace. So we bring in the blank canvas and it then becomes the uniform that your employees wear. It becomes the T-shirt the you got at a fun run, uh, your, your team's uniforms. So our product is you know, very much spread across the United States. We manufacture that product in 22 countries around the world and uh, bring it all into the United States and distribute it across the U.S. with uh, eight distribution centers. So, uh, you know, again, a pretty complex network, but uh, one that is... We're glad to see people coming back to work and events starting to happen because that's what our business is all about. I've been in the logistics world for almost 30 years and I've been at Sanmar for five. So uh, excited to be here today. Love that. And a lot of what you're alluding to are reflected in the second quarter uh, numbers that we're going to walk through. Some of, the, some of that had a big impact. Uh, but Greg, so, so John, Greg and I are big, big sports fans. Many of our team members are big sports fans. And uh, a little birdie told me that you played football at an iconic school here in the States. So tell us more. 
had had the great chance to uh, attend Boise State University uh, back when we were a Division One AA school, and the field was green and easier to watch, probably on everybody's television. Right. But, uh, so it's you know it's it's a different university now than it, than it was back when I went there, and so uh, but you know pretty proud of the Boise State heritage. Love that, Greg. Are you from Boise originally, John? I'm, I mean, you're yeah. still there, correct? Still here, yeah. Actually, uh, one of the very few natives, um, second generation. I mean, now everybody, I think all of my neighbors are all from Seattle or California um, that have moved into the state, but uh, no, happened to be a native and just been had the chance to work for some pretty good corporations here in electronics and pharma uh, and now with Sanmar. So it's given me the opportunity to travel the globe and uh, be in the world of logistics. Love so that. you guys at Sanmar, you provide swag basically. So does does Boise does Boise State get a discount because you're an alumnus? <laughs> no, but we've been trying to get more of the product into the uh, bookstore, and so <laughs> that, uh, that we're getting more of it out there. So uh, royal blue is a is a really good color. So uh, yeah, it, it goes deep. Love yeah. That. So many, gosh, so many more things we could talk about, about boys. I think Mike, our dear friend Mike Griswold is up in that neck of the woods uh, that, that joins us each month. But uh, nevertheless, so Greg, where are we going next for this yeah. next little segment? Well, so we've talked about the volume of data and the volume of transactions that U.S. Bank moves here. I have a couple questions, so I'm going to go off script on one question because I've been curious about this for months. and. I keep forgetting to ask you, Bobby, but can you share a little bit about how you put together the the index and, and also, aside from the credibility of $31 million or $31 billion worth of transactions, what kind of rigor do you go through to, you know, to put all this together? Well, uh the index is a chain-based index, uh, which means that we compare, you know, quarter to qu previous quarter. Uh, the first quarter start point was uh, 2010, and that's our base point of 100. And from there, we uh, apply uh, calculations to uh, our data to basically shape it so that every comparison is an apples to apples comparison, as opposed to so it we reduce seasonality. Or eliminate seasonality. We eliminate it, it's it's similar to a um, uh, store to store sales comparison. Yeah, well, comp store sales for a retailer, right? Right, right. So that we you know because we, we want it to be a statistical reflection of our view of the market at large. We don't want it to be you know a strict measurement of U.S. banks business. We may be doing better than than market, and we don't want to artificially skew that. So we balance out each quarter, making sure that its comparison has the same companies, the same transaction levels and everything so that uh, it's, it's, it can accurately represent the economy. That's, and that's why it's chain based as well. We, we decided that this was a better method than basically reflecting the index off of year zero. We do it off the previous quarter. That's really important because, you know, we, I mean, a lot of us, of course, we get to hear unemployment numbers and whatnot from the from the government, and they have to give us both the total number and then they give us deseasonalized numbers. You just, yeah. just do the deseasonalization and you know take out all of the other uh, effects to give us apples to apples comparison quarter to quarter, right? Correct. Cool. 
So, the, so this is my, that you probably thought that was my off the script question, but I'm curious <laughs> because, because you are also director of consulting services. I don't think we've ever asked what, what all you all do aside from the freight payment index. So your division, can you give us an idea of, of kind of some of the services you provide? Well, the the group that I work in, we're you know we're a group of product managers, and some of our products span from you know quick payment type products to uh, you know the the main product obviously our freight out and payment system, which you know provides the ability to uh, manage the transactions between shippers and carriers, and enable you know those uh, transactions to to proceed. You know shippers can buy or can order services from carriers and carriers can buy those and or sell those services and invoice the shippers and we make sure that the uh, the payment process is, is quick and painless easy and accurate uh, again the audit piece of the freight audit and payment and then there's offshoot um, functions from that you know there's settlement there's uh, we have like i said you know frictionless payment um, opportunities and then my group is like I said, we're a, the only we're a different product in that we take that data from all of this this interchange, and then we use it to do such things like benchmarking. Uh, we can take your data as a customer and uh, normalize it, create some metrics, and then we can take a peer group of of similar uh, shippers and uh, compare your data and your metrics to theirs, you know, again, the, the, the peer group is entirely normalized. No, you can't determine who exactly you're being compared right. to. Anonymize by, all, the, all the peers, right? Right. Other than by um, just general characteristics, you know, because again, we want to make sure that the, the comparisons are similar, uh, both in terms of size of company, industry, and also, um, you know, just uh, mode mix is another aspect. And then we can compare so that you can see how you relate, how your business and these key metrics that we've developed compares to those of your peer group. And we can even in some of the comparisons or even with uh, the industry, our network of, of companies and compare, compare your data to there. So then you can see, OK, I, you know, when these particular lanes were paying way more than our, our, our peers are or in this lane, we're not. We're saving way more than they are keep doing the things that we're doing right, but also maybe have some visibility into the things that we, you know, maybe we can improve. And then that takes us to the consulting services where we can create custom analysis, uh, custom analytics um, based on those factors that you, you know, you want more visibility into. So mm. that's kind of how it, it starts. Freight payment index is like the national view. Then you go more granular down into the benchmarking, and then you can go the next level down with the consulting services to see those individual points and try to figure out, you know, where you can, where you can fix it, where you can move the needle back in a direction that you prefer. That's really cool. So Sandmar could have, and maybe you do, John, I don't know, but they could have their own index to say, hey, we're paying more than Land's End in whatever, right? Or maybe you guys. They won't know it's Land's End, that they're paying more than similar companies. Yeah, sorry, right, because you anonymize that. They don't know who it is. They just know they're paying the highest, right? Or Correct. second highest or whatever. That's Correct. interesting. That's real, that seems particularly valuable these days. And Scott, from our buddy Nerfod's post today, and his, what was it, $9,000 quote for right. a 900-mile shipment or something like that, I would think that that kind of knowledge would be really, really valuable to help 
I mean, help companies really improve really fast right. in this volatile and as we're about to see skyrocketing, right? Spend market. That's right. Yep. No, I mean, being able to have that and have it as a, a reference point when you're going in and talking to the senior executives at the C-level and you're talking about budget and budget hits, budget miss, and being able to quantify how you compare, what you, are, are you doing better than others and a right. uh, critical tool. So you use that, you use a custom view, John? We, you know, we've kind of put together a combination of some of the analytics that come together and certainly the, uh, you know, the freight payment index is part of that. Yeah. Um, and then we're putting that together to try to judge how do we compare and um, are we doing better than the market, greater than the market? And I mean, right now that's, it's turned from almost a, of what we pay to uh, how much capacity can we get uh, type mm -hmm. of, a, of a model. Yeah. Cause one of the, one of the things I, th I did mention was one of our other um, ancillary products. Uh, we have a business intelligence platform and uh, I believe Sanmar uses that data. It enables them to pull reports on various aspects of the business. We also have um, a series of dashboards that show data at a glance. Absolutely. And so we provide as much information to our customers to add value as possible. And our business intelligence platform is one that's, that's highly used. That's powerful that. stuff. Scott, I can't believe I waited a year and a half to ask that. You know, <laughs> I mean, okay. I think okay. we all kind of assumed it was something like that, but I think that's really powerful stuff and particularly valuable as I said right now. So maybe we ought to get into the numbers so people can see why I'm so shocked. Agreed. You're reading my mind, Gregory, yeah. you're reading my mind. And the good news here is that the freight payment index uh, that we're gonna show here, a couple of visuals, hey, it's free to sign up. Uh, and we'll tell you how to do that uh, here momentarily. And Amanda and team, if we get, well, she's already beat me to it. So the link is already in the comments to sign up for the freight freight payment index. Okay. So Bobby, I want to start with a little more level table setting as we dive deeper into what Q, the Q2 numbers are, are telling us. So first, from a national point of view, give us some highlights of what the data is singing to us. Okay. So from a national perspective, you know, as we can see, the shipments index was up 4.4% over Q1. Uh, the spend index was up 10%, 10.1% and Q2. Um, some of the main drivers that we've seen is that the economy is gaining momentum as, you know, companies are emerging and industries are emerging from the pandemic. Uh, we see retail sales, imports, construction and manufacturing output are increasing and that's it's driving uh, uh, shipments and downstream the spend as well. The spend is being affected and why it's rising or what appears to be rising faster than the shipment volumes are, is, is, we believe is because of tight capacity, both in terms of, you know, getting, you know, more drivers on uh, in the seats and getting more trucks on the road. And because of that, you know, shippers are having to pay more to move their goods. And we see that this may continue, could continue if uh, as things continue to, <laughs> as things continue to, what Bobby's about to say is not a forward-looking statement because that's <laughs> not his thing. But let me help him out. They're going yeah. to continue. <laughs> there we go. John can make forward-looking statements, as can we, right? But I, I think you're right, John. If things continue on the trajectory, you know, the, we should 
you know, barring some catastrophes, you know, things should continue to move forward. And that's what we're seeing, you know, and ideally as time goes on, uh, some of these pressures on the market can be resolved and the capacity can open up even further so that, you know, costs can kind of adjust uh, more, but, you know, again, we can only go by the, what we see in the data. And right now the data just says that it's on an upward trajectory, which is yeah. good. That's what we were, we've been talking about for the last, you know, several quarters as we've gone through the pandemic and right. are now, you know, seeing things open up and stay open and, you know, not threaten to go back and which causes blips and jumps. But right now things are moving upward. Right. So I want to share. Um, so that's kind of a, a high, a very high level national breakdown. We're about to go through region by region and give some a uh, little more detailed insights there. I want to welcome, hey, Peter Bolay, you just about missed it. Just about missed it, but great to have you here today. And we'd welcome your perspective. And Asley is with us. So hello, Asley. Great to have you here today. She asked a great question that um, certainly is, is reflected in some of the narrative around the numbers. And she says, hey, driver shortage, marketing, incentive programs, how are they affecting this? Uh, you know, driver supply certainly has been a long time running challenge. Uh, John, you're nodding your head. Any, any perspective well, to, to share there? Well, I mean, we're seeing it at a couple of areas. Uh, when you're looking at the it starts at the very beginning with the dray drivers, the guys that are going to the port and picking it up. And with the current port congestion, if a driver can't go in and get more than two or three turns a day, they could stay home currently with the, some of the current federal funds going to them. And they don't have to drive. They And they can make their truck payment without having to put the truck on the road. And so, and then once it's hit there, you're just working across the country, whether it be LTL um, or the truckload marketplace, they're all really struggling to put drivers in and uh, the driver is king. I mean, he's determining where he wants to go, what loads he wants to handle. And uh, it's put tremendous pressure on uh, the industry. Agreed, agreed. A uh, Couple quick shout outs, Aaron Peterson, great to have you here. Aaron uh, is a graduate of the supply chain program at Morgan State University, and I think he joined McCormick not too long ago. I think. And Aaron, I apologize if I got that wrong. Uh, so Nestle and McCormick recruiting out of Morgan State, right? That's right. That is right. And we mentioned Dubai. Kim Winter, uh, a titan there uh, in the Middle East in Dubai. Great to have you here with us, uh, Kim. And we've seen no shade on his patio. <laughs> That's so right. He is indoors right now, I guarantee it. That is right. Well, well um, wait, it's night there, isn't it? <laughs> so what we want to do now is we want to go kind of region by region, and we want to make this very conversational, uh, Greg and John and Bobby. Uh, we're going to lead with Bobby, and I'm going to pose each region to him. You'll, you'll see uh, folks are listening or tuned in uh, via the stream. You see the regions there. We've got five of them that they report, and the uh, research kind of breaks things out into. And we're just going to pose each of these to Bobby, and then Greg and John, Y'all weigh in if there's something that you saw in, in the data per region that you can add to the conversation. So, yeah. Bobby, let's start with the Northeast region. So, you know, give us some highlights there. Okay. Well, the Northeast uh, region and shipments rose about 1.5%. It was the third sequential gain. It was off, you know, as we can see from the, the, the heat map, that it was down. It was one of the regions that was down a bit uh, year over year. But because it has a dense population, goods consumption is helping to, to keep the uh, freight levels up. Our economist uh, expects that growth may slow in this region as um, greater numbers of people get back to going to sporting events, basically shifting 
the the usage pattern, if you will, of and which affects you know the trucking industry. They're shifting from you know retail shopping and restaurants and things that are more truck intensive and possibly moving to sporting events and more travel. You know, more things that don't require as much trucking to to support it. So mm. uh, we'll see if that pans out. And then carriers are dealing with pretty significant capacity limitations in the Northeast. Mm. Again, for all mm. the things that we've talked about, and Northeast has generally been a difficult, whether it's in the you know seasonally affected in the winter or um, you know because of the uh, less return. You know, shippers can go in deliver stuff, but they don't necessarily get outbound as much outbound traffic as they can in other regions. So uh, Midwest or Northeast is generally a, a tough region. Yeah. I think it's all those bad New York Giants football teams uh, out of late having an impact. But uh, <laughs> but hey, I'm a Falcons fan. I can't make fun of anybody. So John, I'll start John or Greg. Uh, anything to add in what you're seeing there in the Northeast region? You know the the congestion and the uh, again, you're looking back at a driver situation, wanting to be able to go into an area and get out of an area. And I think it's one of the reasons that you've seen some of the LTL carriers actually come out and embargo parts of the Northeast. So that's an area that, you know, we had a, one of our carriers call us and say, I'm sorry, we are not sending trucks into that region right now. And it's just, uh, I, it's uh, overall, I think it is that it's the congestion. You're starting to see product flow and uh, the capacity is just, ex- the demand is just exceeding the capacity. Hmm. Hey, really? So they, I mean, they're kind of cherry picking loads then, John. Yeah. Are they saying because they can't get a haul back out of there that well, they don't want to go in? And that's be what Bobby, you were saying. That's yeah. that's part of it, and you've seen the truckload market because it, it, if they're not wanting to do that, now you get shippers breaking it down into smaller shipments, putting it into the LTL marketplace, and all you've done is move is move the dial a little bit, and so now you're getting LTL carriers that are getting ten thousand pound shipments that normally would have gone truckload, and it's causing that LTL network to start to compress and forcing them to look back and say, we just don't want this business. It's, it's not it's not profitable for us. Well, wow. and that we're seeing those same uh, business cases made across rail as well. Uh, you know, the, they're looking for smart business right now, and the leverage is, is uh, on the other side of the table as a, as opposed to where it was, say, five, six, seven years ago. Oh, um, I think when you see loads go down by any percentage, and yet spend go up by over forty percent, that should tell you something about the attractiveness of that market or the strain on that market. And, you know, for a company that normally spends 5% of our time in a spot market, I can tell you that we're spending a significant amount of time in a spot market because we're trying to make sure that uh, we can cover loads and uh, move product. And that's because your contract carriers are rejecting loads, correct? Correct. All right. So uh, I got to pull up this comment from uh, Avajit, I believe. And uh, sorry if I got that wrong. Let us know. We'd like to get people's names right. Uh, via LinkedIn, nice presentations. Well, you know, I'm an infographic addict. You know, I love when you lay it out and, and you don't lose any context, right? When you take the data and, and, the, and the written uh, word into the infographics. And that's part of, we got that shamelessly from the freight payment index. So, right, because uh, U.S. Bank has an amazing marketing. <laughs> right, right. So, <laughs> I mean, this, I don't, for anyone who hasn't actually seen the freight payment index document, it's very easy to read. It's very concise. Mm. They've taken a ton of really complex, as we just talked about, data and simplified it so that even I can understand it. Right. So, Man, yeah. we're moving mountains then. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Greg. But hey, I, I got to share this comment from Kim. And Bobby, 
looks like sometimes we attract business opportunities. Uh, our friend Kim Winter says, it'd be great to replicate this type of index in the GCC market. Huge trucking industry in this region. Major difference being abundant drivers in this market. Our M&A team is selling two regional trucking companies currently. Good stuff there from Kim. But it is, it's laid out very nicely. And again, we're using the, the free for everyone version of the report here today. Okay, moving right along for the sake of time from the uh, happening Northeast market. Let's move to the Southeast market, Bobby. Uh, that's, that's our part of the world, at least Greg and I's. Tell us what's going on in the Southeast. Well, the Southeast uh, was up 5.8% in shipments uh, in the second quarter. And the Southeast spend index rose 9% from Q1. Uh, again, some of the, the same some of the same impacts, you know, solid manufacturing activity growth. Um, even though auto is, is somewhat soft, manufacturing is picking up in the southeast. We also see the home construction is um, boosting freight in the region, not only from new home construction, but from hurricane repair. And again, mm. we kind of have seen that seasonal pattern. And, you know, it seems to follow the trend of, you know, and again, this is kind of bolstered by our economist in that you get the damage and then take some time for insurance to sort everything out and the weather to address, adjust and uh, the, the marketplace to adjust, to be able to mobilize, to get, uh, get goods down there. And then right, uh, right. that results uh, subsequently um, in, that, in that market. So that's what we're seeing in the Southeast. Spending was up 54.2% 54 from a year earlier. And again, same drivers, uh, driver shortage, constraint capacity, but one of the other underlying um, issues is the rising diesel prices, which um, are pushing up um, the rates as well. Specifically in the lower Atlantic region, we saw from the EIA that uh, diesel prices were up 10% in the second quarter compared to the first quarter, and they had already risen uh, quite a bit in the first quarter. So again, all of these, these things are kind of layering to, to push prices up and faster than the shipment volumes are increasing. Mm -hmm. I you know, I think another key area that you're that people are seeing is uh, it's a, a cause and effect of what's happening on the West Coast. A lot of the major importers are bringing product through the canal up to the East Coast to try to avoid West Coast port congestion. And it's literally starting to clog Savannah. We have a huge facility in Jacksonville and, you know, we we're bringing in some of the subcontinent. We're bringing in India, Pak uh, Pakistan, uh, Bangladesh. We're bringing all that into the East Coast now versus we used to bring it into the West Coast uh, to avoid West Coast conge congestion. The ocean carriers don't want their cargo to go inbound. So transloading, shifting uh, to the truck marketplace. And uh, I think you're seeing some of that on the Southeast. Interesting. Wait, you mean they don't want their containers going in? Yeah, they, so you're shifting out of their containers into land-based containers? Absolutely. They, the the ocean carriers, they want that asset empty on their boat and going back to Asia where they can turn around and get eighteen dollars to $20,000 a container to the West Coast. And they don't want to see it sitting in Memphis or Chicago or somewhere else. That makes sense. Opportunity totally makes cost. Sense. Yeah, it does. Hey, Muzi. It's interesting that, you know, this is something we talked about the last time, Bobby, is we were starting... I mean, we had already started to see people moving to the East Coast. I think the last time we were talking about companies that uh, were moving their goods to Houston, Port mm -hmm. Houston, um, and, and even some of these ports that we don't always talk about. Jacksonville is a good example. 
um, Charleston and, and Savannah. Gulfport. Um, and recently, and we'll talk, I'm sure talk about this when we talk about the Midwest, we've started to see it coming all the way back around to the Great Lakes as well, because now every port, as you said, John, is jammed, right? I think it was the last report that Savannah and Charleston were bragging that they weren't jammed up like Long Beach and LA and Jersey. <laughs> but now, I mean, so much freight is moving and and it's moving and there's so many jams around the country that they they just continue to move wherever the jam is not and it's really hard to find that spot now where's yeah. sylvia greg when we need the, the jam queen to help us yeah, that kind of jam we want but <laughs> but you know john's what john's uh, uh snicker there his little laugh there very telling you know it, it is just it's a very unique environment and you know no port is immune, it seems like, these yeah. days. Um, so let's move. Greg kind of provided a great segue there. Let's talk about the Midwest, Bobby. What, what are you seeing there? Uh, Midwest was up 2.5% um, in shipments uh, over Q1, and then the spend was up almost 8% uh, from Q1, but it was up 32% year over year. And um, However, the shipments were down uh, 2% from last year. Um, the Midwest is affected by um, auto production, and because of the uh, you know supply chain issues that the auto manufacturing has been having, you know particularly the chip shortage, um, that impacted um, shipping uh, quite a bit. And then home construction is softer in the Midwest than in some of the other regions. Housing site uh, starts were were flat, so. You know, again, they're still impacted. They're not. They're still rising, but they're not as, as aggressive about it as some of the other regions were. Um, but then again, they're um, they're also affected by the the energy costs, the diesel prices, and they were up ten percent over Q1 as well. So, again, uh, a lot of pressures on the marketplace, which are you know driving spending again way over um, shipments. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that reminds me of the Freddie Mercury and the Queen song. Everybody's under pressure, unlike never before in many ways. Well, um, I think we've heard it called an everything bubble, right? <laughs> Housing, lumber, the stock market, trucking, right? All kinds of transportation, vehicles. I, I, I have a, a 24-year-old daughter whose 2013 car is worth more now than it was six months ago. By thousands of dollars, and I mean this is not a car that's worth like it's not even worth fifteen thousand now. So I mean I think it's really interesting to see what's going on in the market and when we reach that equilibrium point and what starts to happen at that point. I can tell you as we were talking about earlier uh, before we got on the air, I have reached my equilibrium point with with chicken wings. I have stopped eating chicken wings. Because I will not pay nineteen dollars for a dozen chicken. You're breaking my heart. You're right. breaking my heart, man. I know. Well, and yeah, and Bobby's in upstate New York, so you know, we know well, he won't stop. I think he is culturally obligated by living in upstate New York to eat chicken wings. So. I'm obligated, but I've got an invisible doctor's notice stapled in my. That, oh yeah, that's right. That's good. <laughs> well, your doctor's not only saving your life, Bobby. He's saving you hundreds of thousands of dollars, in my opinion. There you That's go. Right. There so you John, go. Uh, talking about Midwest, uh, we, any additional comments there? Yeah, just the driver situation. We've got 
facilities in Minneapolis and in Cincinnati. And uh, just the sheer fact of the carriers that we use having a hard time putting drivers in the seat to be able to make all the, uh, the deliveries. And, you know, I think just a nationwide fact, who would have ever thought that 1,400 customers got a letter from FedEx Freight saying, we're firing you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, literally, they sent letters to customers saying, we can't handle your freight anymore. And that's just a tailing situation as to, to where this marketplace is at. And so, and, and if you want to move from the chicken wings, support the uh, state of Idaho potato skins, try them. Um, <laughs> so every uh, place that's, this is just a philosophical statement, John, every place that serves chicken wings, right. Should also serve uh, potato skins, skins. right. Mm. With a little bacon and cheese and, a little sour cream on top. <laughs> uh, Greg, I totally agree. Greg, Greg and I time. Yes, <laughs> yeah, right. No kidding. All right. Well, let's. I want to say hello to a few folks really quick. So, Rhonda, Doctor Bumpenza Zimmerman, great to have you here today. Multitasking as usual, the world class multitasker. Masawar is back with us via Pakistan uh, on LinkedIn. Great to have you back with us, Masawar. Okay, so uh, anything else about the Midwest before we move to the Southwest? Yeah, I think one of the things we need to acknowledge is, is, is twofold. One, the ports are also jammed, right, as, as, as evidenced by uh, Union Pacific, ceasing, uh, ceasing transportation from, uh, of, of containers other than 53 foot. So of ocean containers, um, you know, the 20 and 40 foot, TEUs yep. um, to from LA to Chicago, and then another a, another carrier, another railroad uh, ceasing. Also, I cannot remember their name. I just saw it. BNSF. In, who was it? The BNSF. B, oh, they did. It was them. Okay. Yeah. So the, they are so jammed that they have to relieve even ground transportation so that these ports can get those goods through. So to me, that that feels like that could, it will definitely carry this same issue into the, this quarter and, and through this quarter uh, in at least the Midwest. Yep. Right. Excellent commentary. But back to the heavy hitting stuff. Karai says, hey, switch the drumsticks, more meat. And cheaper. We're getting uh, chicken <laughs> advice right here on Supply Chain Network. Well, okay. I mean, as long as we're going there, you know, boneless wings, which are chicken, uh, not chicken tenders, they're, uh, they're chicken nuggets, right? That has become quite the craze because they are roughly a third of the price of wings. Not nearly as satisfying, Bobby Holland. So right. you're not missing anything, let me tell you. There you go. Um, all right. So let's move to the, uh, let's see here. I think we're on the Southwest now. Is that correct? Or we just covered the, we just covered Southwest. Yeah, you, you get, you're the one running the agenda. You tell yeah, us. I'm going we'll do whatever ahead you of say. us. So Bobby, I think we were just talking about the Southwest. So we're moving to the West, according to my notes. Is that right? No, uh, I thought we just did the Midwest. 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 Okay. That's right. I gave y'all one last point to make on the Midwest. Too many West. That's right. Too many yeah, West. Too many West. So when it comes to the Southwest, Bobby, uh, with the you know it's the fourth of these five different regions, what are we seeing there? Uh, the shipment index was up six and a half percent, and the re- the regional spend index was up almost ten percent from Q1, according to the Bureau of Transportation Statistics. Um, trade with Mexico was up almost eighty five percent from a year earlier. So 
And that, you know, when in the middle of the pandemic, that was one of the things that we, were, we were reported was that, you know, the, the truck trade going across the border was really impacting the, the Southwest. And it sounds like that's turned around from a year earlier, you know, 85%, according to Bureau of Transportation Statistics. Spend is outpacing yet again um, shipments. Again, during the higher freight rates, uh, increased fuel surcharges as diesel prices rose, and then the shipment volumes have increased as well. So all of those are still putting uh, pressure. It's a, as they say, it's a it's a, a nice problem to have, but it's still a problem. Yes, <laughs> perfect well storm. Said. Every the everything bubble, as Greg had mentioned. Uh, and by the way, I, I got to give credit where it's credit due, and thank you, Peter Bolay. That was Donald Bourne giving us drumstick advice there. So thank you very much. <laughs> but speaking of the Southwest and speaking of what Bobby just shared or some of the things you're seeing, John, what, what else are you seeing there? You know, it's, we have a facility in uh, Avondale, Arizona, Phoenix area. And uh, you know, we've been probably less impacted there than other regions, but I think I'll save my comments for the next one you're going to go to because it's, uh, it's definitely a, a number one on our list. Love that. And Greg? I think this, you know, this is the first time we've said this, Bobby, but I think the, the issues that we're seeing in the Southwest are very similar to what we're seeing in the other parts of the country, saving the fact that cross-border transportation is at nearly twice the level it was before. So that's a shocker. I got, I got, to, I got to say, I mean, I think that our, our audience probably understands why I was so shocked by the numbers in this thing, because Bobby... I think we saw something like this coming. I'm not sure the order of magnitude in which it is hit is, I know you can't, couldn't have done a, a, right, a forward-looking statement anyway, but I don't think the order of magnitude in which it is hit was something we were expecting at all. I think, the, well, I think, I think when, when the main issue with, with capacity was mainly the driver shortage, that was one thing the 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 market is, is work it was rapidly working to deal with that as people emerge from as everything emerged from the pandemic but then when you throw you know the energy prices into that rising dramatically and then when you throw in the chip shortage which you know not only has affected industries but it's also affected the ability to actually get trucks new trucks right and then you know if and if you got the new trucks could you you know could you put drivers in them there's other things that have, that have that were not highly indicated at that point earlier in the pandemic that that would indicate that there would be this different kind of pressure on capacity because even if you got all the truck drivers you may not have enough trucks. Okay, so let's then um, let's let's move out to John's maybe favorite category next. The fifth. Maybe not favorite. But most impactful. <laughs> We're excited to get these in, these insights here. Let's talk about yeah. what's going on yeah. out west, uh, Bobby. West Regional Shipments Index was up 7.1%, and the spend index was up almost 14%, but it was up over 51% from a year earlier. This, the, this region was buoyed up by solid retails, retail sales, uh, robust home construction, and strong port shipments, um, which, as we talked about in the last Q um, quarters index, was uh, due to depleted uh, retail inventories. And so we see retailers are scrambling to get, you know, more goods from overseas and it's generating, you know, the downstream impact is to generate a lot of uh, truck port activity as John had, had talked about um, earlier as well. Um, and then there's also strong freight in the West associated with house, house, 
housing activity is home construction was up almost 50% from a year earlier, which was surprising, especially given wow. uh, high lumber prices and, you know, dampening buildings. Flooding out of California. I mean, was this building going on in states other than California? Building? Uh, the, the home building. What, I mean, yeah, I think the Southeast has got a lot of that? stuff. Southeast is a, is a lot going on as well in, in the home there, right? Definitely. We, we, uh, I drove across the gauntlet uh, last weekend as Greg and I reconnected. We're on opposite sides of the metro Atlanta area. And I, I can't tell you, I, I lost, I didn't have enough fingers and toes to count the massive uh, condo and apartment communities and, and the um, uh, kind of pre-manufactured home communities. Construction is everywhere, yeah. uh, Greg. And, 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 and then the other thing we noticed passing by all these empty car lots is man inventory all-time lows it's remarkable to see even the, the even the super dealerships the mega dealerships mm-hmm. turn out all that volume not have nearly as much to sell but i digress um all right so bob was touched on some things there about what, we, what the data is showing across the west john what else it, uh no i mean the, the west is leading to several of the problems that we're seeing in the midwest the southeast and the other regions because of the sheer amount of cargo that comes through Port of Long Beach, LA, and the Northwest Seaport Alliance. And the premium on being able to transload your product and put it into a truck or intermodal and move it is very high right now. And um, one of the challenges that everybody's starting to see is equipment because we have less labor that we could put into a warehouse. It's taking us longer to unload containers. It's taking us longer to unload trailers, which shrinks that trailer pool out there. And the carriers are absolutely coming out and saying, not only is your base rate going up, but we're going to shorten the detention time. We're going to increase the costs for doing that. And all of those are starting to see this freight and the cost of of freight from the West to the East going up significantly. And I know that uh, Bobby cannot give a forward statement, but if you're looking toward Q4 and peak season, um, it's only going to get worse. Uh, capacity is going to continue to be constrained, and the the volume moving is only going to continue to go up. And I think we're going to see it across all modes of domestic transportation. Yeah, a great point. Uh, Greg, I want to pass it back over to you for the sake of time. I know we want to t- kind of talk about some of our biggest takeaways here. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think I would love to hear, John, what you guys – you know, what are some of, what are the biggest issues you all are seeing? I mean, you had mentioned people are staying home in droves because they're being paid by the government to do so. And I hadn't thought about the possibility that that is enough money to provide a driver's salary. But if you aren't also extracting the cost of driving, then it is very, very close to what a driver could make by actually doing the work, right? So, I mean, do you feel like that's having as big an impact as anything? Because that's not uncommon. No, we see it in the warehouse level in eight distribution centers across the United States. We've raised we have have raised the wage of an entry level person and our core people to come to work in the warehouses. Those jobs are very difficult to find. And if it if we're not a full staff, then we can't unload and load um, at full capabilities. And that's core business. So and I think if you're if you're a shipper. I think not only do you have to look at the budget aspects, but you have to work really hard to make sure you're an attractive customer to the freight industry. That, I mean, you need to be a good steward of their equipment and their drivers, and you need to pay your bills on time. And if you can do all three of those things, 
you might be able to have a shot. Right. Have a shot. So you're saying there's a chance, John. There's a chance. <laughs> is, is there anything else that jumps out at you as a big takeaway? Look, you're facing this every single day. With as many facilities as you have offshore and as much as you have to move on the ground in the States, what else are you seeing that's just, just stands yeah, out? I think the real the, the key focus is America's trying to rebalance its inventory. And you know, we've come through the pandemic where we burnt through lots of inventory. And you know now all of a sudden everybody's rushing to restock inventory so that it can be on the shelf, and I think everybody's holding their breath to see what's the, the dot com market going to be, what's the home delivery, the internet retail business. Is it is are people going to stay home and shop, or are they going to go out and start hitting the stores again? All those things I think have us sitting on the edge of the seat to see what what it's going to do to the network. What jumps out at you? I mean, you're you. I mean, you are looking at this from deep inside. So I'm really curious what that, what takeaways this brings I, to your mind. I think the thing that's most fascinating to me is, you know, we look at the data, we see uh, the, the, the transactions being processed, you know, we can derive uh, certain information from, you know, what we see in that data, but it's always fascinating to me, all of the, the decisions, because even if you talk to, you know, I, we obviously can't talk to every single customer and find out at a detailed level what they're all going through. Uh, that's why I find this fascinating. But to just see all of the decisions that are being made and trying to address, uh, trying to adjust to you know the changing the changes in the marketplace and the pressures in the marketplace, and then seeing you know almost like how does the, how does that shake out in the in the next quarter? That's one of the the fascinating aspects of this job is just seeing you know, what what guys like John and his company uh, have to do in order to stay on top of their business. Um, and those decisions change, you know, at least quarterly, yeah, can change quarterly because that, the right? marketplace is changing that rapidly in some in some ways as we dig out. So uh, I think that's one of the, the fascinating things is just seeing all of those decisions and how they shake out. And then, you know, it may reverse the next the next quarter or two quarters down and then you've got to make different decisions. And then how does it where does that go? And then just trying to stay half a step ahead of everything. Um, it's one of the cool things about this job. Mm. Can I share some points, Scott? <laughs> I would, I, actually, I would love to hear from you too. I mean, you you always facilitate these things, but you're as knowledgeable about supply chain or more, particularly as regards manufacturing than most of us. So I want to understand what you're seeing and what all of this says to you. Gosh, put someone on the spot. I think a, a couple of things. Uh, you know, this, this driver supply issue has persisted and will continue to persist. Greg, we've talked ad nauseum with a wide variety of folks about it. Uh, but it's kind of like the weather. We talk about it, but but no one ever does anything about it. Between technology, I think between uh, compensation changes, I think in the nature of maybe having the, the profession evolve a bit and finding ways to innovate that. But most importantly, I, I got to take this opportunity to talk about how we treat our drivers. And, and I think John mentioned that. We, we've seen countless leaders talk about it. We got to uh, they are incredible resources for the that drive the backbone, no pun intended, of, of, of global supply chain, certainly the supply chain across the country. So never miss an opportunity to, to kind of uh, kick the tires on that. Add in this perfect storm that the last couple of years has been, the spend, de- the spend index, highest on record. Highest on record. I mean, that's just one more element that business leaders and organization leaders and supply chain leaders have to kind of feel their way through. Uh, and, 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 and undoubtedly, as Bobby and John and you are all speaking, 
the ripple effects are massive uh, down to the very, you know, um, each port, each mile driven, each facility. So anyway, I, I think, Greg, I, I appreciate that question. But uh, to wrap here, because I want to make sure folks, there's so many other key takeaways we could get to as we uh, dissect this freight payment index. But here at almost the top of the hour, I want to make sure we have Bobby tell us how can folks sign up for this massive uh, quarterly uh, report. Uh, of course, they can find the, the live stream breakdown here on Supply Chain Now each quarter. But Bobby, how can folks sign up for all this information? If you go to the link at freight.usbank.com, um, there's a, a landing page that will explain about the freight payment index and offer you the ability to subscribe to it, and you'll receive it in your email inbox quarterly. It's just that easy. A few things, everything should work that easy. Uh, but Bobby, I really enjoy your breakdown each uh, quarter. I love the folks you bring with you, John Jansen. John, you're a great a commentary to kind of marry with the data. And of course, Greg, I love your, your insights and, and key takeaways and, and making it fun and colorful. Hey, who, who, would have, who would have thunk that freight can be as fun and colorful as it has been over the last hour, John, let's make sure folks know how to connect with uh, you and the Sanmar team is doing a bunch of great work. How can folks connect with you? Sure. Um, LinkedIn is probably the best Avenue. You just go to the, go to LinkedIn and put in John Jansen or put in Sanmar. Um, it should come up and would welcome the chance to connect with people in the industry. And from the, the from your freight index report, you mentioned earlier how easy it is to read. It is in a form that you could literally forward to a C-level executive and not have to try to uh, uh, dummy it down. It's, it's pretty easy, straightforward from the, a good aspect of what's going on in the industry. It's really true. It, that, that's a really good point. It's not jargony. It's not super detailed. It, it, it's it is high enough level for someone to look at it and be as shocked as I was or, you know, or to realize that some sort of action is required. Right. And, and that's just the quarterly one. I mean, if you think about I mean, if you want really timely information, if you think about some of these custom offerings or the the BI tool Absolutely. that the U.S. Bank has, I mean, you can really be on top of things. Yeah, correct. Agreed. Correct. Um, Thank you. So, you know, and you don't, you don't have to be a, a freight technician or a freight analyst. I mean, it, it does a great job level setting because uh, yeah. we all, we're all impacted by freight regardless of what you do. Freight.usbank.com. I think the link's also in the comments. But Bobby, hey, same question for you. How can folks connect with Bobby Holland? Again, LinkedIn as well for me, uh, Bobby Holland at US Bank, and you'll be able to find me. Wonderful. Who is not already connected with Bobby? <laughs> Hey, if you're not, you're missing out. Uh, you're missing out. So huge thanks. Uh, Bobby Holland, uh, Director Freight uh, Data Solutions with U.S. Bank. Really appreciate your quarterly updates and your kindred spirits here. And John Jansen, great to meet you. We really yeah, enjoyed you guys. planning nice to meet you, John. and chatting with you. Thank you. I took a lot of notes. I took a lot of notes. Oh, Bobby got 17 pages of notes. Scott. That is right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> well, I should add it. Uh, John Jansen, Senior Director of Global Logistics with Sanmar. So big thanks, John and Bobby. We'll see you both very soon. All right. Go Broncos. Thank you very much. The only time I want to hear somebody say go Broncos is when they're talking about boys of state. <laughs> so, by the way. For, John's, uh, for John Ears, who may be still be in the green room, uh, Greg's a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. So naturally, the rivalry with the Denver Broncos. But right. we're, all, we're all big Boise State fans around here. Okay, so Greg... 
man, what a great conversation. That's, that's been one of my favorite ones thus far. Very yeah. practical takeaways. I got to go. That was back. as good as the wrestling discussion. That right? was good. That was a good one. I got to go back to something that, um, you know, we were talking, you were talking about your daughter's uh, car that's worth so much. Peter's talking about doubling his money on his 2012 convertible Mustang. No, like, we just got the roof working. <laughs> Peter, well, wait a minute. He's in. He's in Quebec, so summer is almost over. That's there, right. right? We're, we're 90 degrees. He's looking at, yeah, he's looking at uh, snow showers in like a couple weeks. That is right. And I also got to, I want to add, uh, hey, Rhonda, I appreciate this comment. Uh, this is this is something that we're we're passionate about. In fact, Greg, I don't think I've, I've shared this with you yet. With our friend War Richmond, we're actually setting up a series of interviews with truck drivers and to getting their perspective and experiences firsthand. I think that's something that is long overdue and, and yes. um, it's important. Finally, somebody who swears more than I do on this show. <laughs> Maybe so. I don't know. Uh, you're, you're usually on, you're usually very well behaved. I, I am. Tell you. you just tell I them like been. it is, which, which we love and we need more of. Okay. So Greg, uh, great conversation here today. We're a couple Indeed. minutes over, but I want to, I want to grab, uh, before I sign off, uh, your favorite element of today's conversation as we've been spending the last hour with Bobby Holland with U.S. Bank and John Jansen with Sanmar. What was your favorite, most important aspect of the discussion? Well, John only got to brush past it, but it was very striking. And it enunciated yet again the fact that this is all very circular. The spending that is causing an everything bubble, the travel, which has gotten the term revenge travel, the housing boom, and other things that consumers are spending money on and the fact that people are staying away from work in droves, all driven by government subsidy, mm. right? If we want to get some stability into this economy, we have to start pulling that government subsidy back. So people are motivated to get to work. They start spending like it's their own money because it will be their own money. I mean, in truth, it is their own money and get some stability back in the marketplace because this will continue to haunt us as long as we pay people to stay away from work yep. and pay them as much or more than they were making before so that they make all of these discretionary spends that I admit have boosted the economy when it needed it. But I think the time is well past now mm -hmm. and there are plenty of open jobs out there, not just in the trucking industry, but in every industry. And those are the, you know, the supply chain industries, those are the retail, the restaurant, the hospitality industry, so many industries out there that need people to work. Mm. And I think, you know, hearing both the impact on John's company and, uh, uh, of transportation because of that, but also on their own ability to produce and distribute and deliver uh, their own goods right. um, really drives that point home. We yeah. got to get back to work. Yeah, agreed. Uh, we we got to keep our finger on the pulse of, of diesel fuel prices as well. Uh, there's no shortage of observations and a lot of pain to pump across the country. And, of course, the diesel fuel price is a big part of the uplift and spend. I want to uh, – John Jansen, who was just with us, I love this. We need to support the driver industry. Reach out to him if you want to be a shipper of choice. That's that's the conversations I'm talking about. I'd love to – maybe we have to have John on, on a subsequent episode and, and dive in deep on – just how to really become a shipper of choice and change a culture that 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 is for way too long has not changed around these these brave professionals moving the industry forward. Kim, 116 degrees Fahrenheit. You must be in a different part of 
the UAE. Yeah, must have been. He's in Dubai, but yes, was that? Yeah, we'll have to, yeah. We'll have to um, do our double man. checking. But great to have you, Kim and Peter and Rhonda and, and everyone that joined us here today. Big thanks to Bobby Holland, of course, with U.S. Bank and John Jansen with Sanmar. Folks, uh, come out and join us uh, for next quarters. We're, uh, gosh, I'll be just around the corner. We have Bobby back with a fellow supply chain executive practitioner diving into the massive report uh, resource that is the freight payment index. Sign up for it at freight.usbank.com. And most importantly, Greg, if you do anything at all, hey, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.